You are listening to Drop Tent Media Network. Uh, my undocumented ass podcast. With Che Guerrero. The winds really change talk. in one direction. They got to harass someone else. I get it. I get exactly. it. Like, people don't realize how just one little access can literally change a whole family's life. Yo, welcome to another episode of My Undocumented Ass Podcast. This is a solo episode coming to you live from my living room. Uh, I was traveling this weekend, so I didn't get a chance to lock down a guest and bring you someone uh, super interesting that you know you can learn from and, and, and we can share their experience. So uh, you're stuck with me for this week. Uh, yeah, like I said, I was traveling. It was Juneteenth weekend. If you listen to this, uh, the day that it drops, uh, last weekend was Juneteenth, so... A lot of us here in the United States, we had uh, four days off, uh, so I took advantage of it. I, uh, me and my family, we rented up a little place up in like uh, Pulaski, New York, almost near Canada kind of thing. Uh, probably like two hours away from Canada. I mean, not lie, it was not that close to Canada. But we're up there north, uh, and upstate New York, and it was cool. We got to uh, go out there and rent a house, and uh, my son got to run around, because you can see uh, this is not a very big place, actually just like, a, it's an apartment, uh, so, if you're watching this, if you listen to us, I'm gonna tell you, I got an apartment, so it's not very like great place for a kid to be able to run around and, and get all that energy out. And uh, I'm gonna tell you guys the truth, uh, my son also has autism. So uh, yeah, so being able to actually go to a home and uh, and, and, and we rented a, an Airbnb, we rented a, a single family home for the weekend. So like I told my girlfriend, it literally felt like we were just cosplaying homeowners. like. Cause you know, we, we talk about owning a home, like, oh, I wonder what it would be like to own a home one day and have a backyard and have our son like play around the backyard and be able to afford these things that we should have been able to afford with the money we make because we work hard enough. So we just wanted to know what it would be like if the economy still worked properly. So we went to, you know, to this house. It was also a wedding thing. And we were there and yeah, it was very, uh, it was interesting. It was interesting uh, because like I said, my son has autism and Seeing him in a home made me realize like like how much he really does need that. Uh, all kids need to live in a home. Like not the kids shouldn't be in an apartment. Like like it's a cell. Like literally apartment buildings become like cells. If you have kids, I'm not trying to be like you know use hyperbole or try to be dramatic. But like when they don't have enough room to let me give you a perfect example of like uh, my son with autism in an apartment versus my son. With, I didn't expect to talk about this in the beginning. This shows you about you know the undocumented experience, but it's just me. So uh, I, I, I have a life outside of the undocumented experience, which is what we need to tell people. Like, hey, you know, I'm also a person with problems. So my son with autism, let's get back to that problem. Uh, he's not a problem, but whatever. Anyways, so when we're in an apartment, like he'll usually wake up like around 5.30 in the morning, right? And then it's just me and him in the apartment with my partner. So we just like, we can't go out every day to a park or something like that. It's like, it's exhausting, you know what I mean? Like, and then if you go out, you have to pay for food while you're out. So it becomes like, a very expensive thing just to take your kid out of the apartment so he can get some energy out. So most of the day I hate that my son's on his iPad. So he'll usually go to sleep around 7.30, 8 o'clock at night and then be up again 5 a.m. because that, that's just what his routine is. So it's very difficult for us to get some sleep or whatever, whatever. So we rented this house, this Airbnb for the weekend. It had, it was like on two acres, so much space. And my son, you know, woke up at 5.30 in the morning. 
at 5 30 in the morning i was like you know what? it's still dark let's go outside and let's make a fire you know it'll be fun like we, we'll do that and you know we'll have breakfast out there and it'll be great so we have breakfast out and the fire and he was running around from 5 30 in the morning so about 9 a.m he was running around the backyard and we were sitting down eating breakfast having a great time right and then we're done making a fire like around 9 a.m like all right let's go inside we went inside we watched a little tv he, it was a very big house so he was running around the house a little bit but it didn't feel like as like everything was vibrating uh and then uh you know uh there was a, like a great garage that was like really spacious so you know when my partner was like hey i'm gonna get a nap in before you know she had to go in somewhere so like, oh let's go to the garage space some foosball let's run around whatever and then afterwards you know it was more running around the yard and it was great because we were just like right there at the house yo we came back home after all that done we had that really long day him playing we came back home we drove back home it took us about five hours this kid fell asleep at like the the drop of a dime the second we got home his head hit the pillow at like 9 30 and then the kid didn't wake up to like 8 30 the next morning right no tossing no turning nothing and you know it took me a minute to realize just how much energy a child has and you have to get that out of him in, in, in a level that even he's like, yo, all right, man, we've been playing way too much, yo, cut it off, cut it off, I gotta go, I gotta go. You know, it's like, it, that's the kind of thing that kids need. And it's it's just so heartbreaking that we live in an economy, in a, in a world. Well, look, I, I'm, I'm very real, I talk numbers, I speak numbers. I make $23 an hour at my job, all right? And even after 40 hours a week, with taxes and everything, the math ain't mathing. Do you know what I mean? Like I can't, I can't move out of this apartment. This apartment costs almost eighteen hundred dollars, and we're actually paying thirty-two percent less, thirty-two percent less than everybody else in my same neighborhood who pays. Now, if you're coming to be a new tenant, you pay twenty-two hundred dollars. Twenty-two hundred dollars. Okay, that's basically what I make after taxes. So how can you expect somebody to literally? You tell me I gotta spend one hundred percent of my money on an apartment building, and I can't afford a home that costs $1,200 a month with mortgage, insurance, and taxes. Okay, this world is insane. And I'm gonna be real with you guys right now. I, I haven't posted this, but, uh, cause I, I don't know, I, was, I had almost like a 30 minute breakdown, you know, after coming back from, from you know, from this house and, and just realizing like, yo, no matter how hard I work, I cannot give my son a home who, who needs it. I mean, every, like I said, every kid deserves a home, but he is a child with autism. And I saw how much a home made it easier for me to be a better parent for him. Cause I didn't have to like, oh my God, I gotta go to a park. I ain't got no money to buy you no know, ice cream. If it was a rough day, hey, play around the house, you know, let's have a great time. Let's make things, you know, and, and let's get you exhausted this way. That, that just goes to show me like, I, I talk about, experiences like this so people know the kind of frustration that not being able to own a home isn't just some some default in the system it is really a a, a stressor that yeah that it's just like it's 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 over it's it's consuming it, it's overwhelming you know I, I got a few things that i want to talk about i expect to start there you know i want to talk about some things about the you know the undocumented experience but again i said i'm, I'm a dad too you know, I'm a, I'm a dad first, you know, and the first thing I think about every morning is my, my, my son with special needs and how can I best do a service to him and not being able to get him home, even though I'm doing everything right by the book. That's why most people are frustrated. Uh, I got a few things here that I wanted to talk about. Um, yeah, the first thing I had on my list was like, 
let's 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 go down different things. Let's talk about the all these SCOTUS, uh, the Supreme Court of the United States uh, decisions, because they have just been grotesque, left and right. I don't know all the you know person v person, but let's just go. I'll go with the Patel case first. That case uh, was taken to Supreme Court and just decided about three months ago that immigrants who find that uh, the immigration system has committed an error in their paperwork can, and, and if, you know, if, okay, the immigration system made an error and, you know, it's clearly an error in the immigration's fault, but sometimes, you know, they'll still process deportation. Well, an immigrant can take their case to federal court through the circuits and be like, hey, they made a, uh, you know, a clerical error and they want to deport me on these bases, which is false. We need to take care of this in the federal government. Be like, yeah, you know, the immigration system, you know, you can't do that, whatever. Basically, the Supreme Court said that, no, you cannot take your case for clerical errors by the immigration system, USCIS. You can't take uh, clerical errors to the Supreme Court anymore, which is was just one of the few uh, rights that we had to correct the, you know, egregious mistakes by the immigration system taken away. That's one of them. Uh, the other one, the, the, the other Supreme Court, I think it was Eggbold. Uh, don't, uh, correct me, please, in the comments and, and, and do what you got to do. But it was the one with the Border Patrol. Now, a lot of people saying, does this mean that Border Patrol can now come into your house within 100 miles? They could always do that. They could always do that. What, what this new Supreme Court case did that about a month ago was a gentleman was being harassed by Border Patrol. He was an informant for Border Patrol who he would tell Border Patrol when there was somebody who was undocumented staying at the bed and breakfast, which what a, what a jerk, by the way, playing the system on so many levels. And then here, here's what I want you guys to understand. And I work for, uh, for not much longer, but I currently work for a nonprofit immigration law firm. And the one thing that they tell you over and over again is that if a case involving an immigrant versus the United States goes to the Supreme Court, you are you have to beg to God that the immigrant wins because if the immigrant loses, it means we as people have just lost another right. Do you understand? This is one thing that's been so frustrating to watch is all these immigrants go to the Supreme Court to fight for a right, lose, and then white women are like, wait a minute, I lost this right. Like I, I the, the, the egg ball one where uh, they come up with 100 miles. Basically, the case was that this man, who who was an informant for for Border Patrol, was like, "Hey, there's somebody here." This one Border Patrol agent came, check out the scene, but for some reason, the guy regretted, "Hey, get off my property! I don't want to talk to you anymore. You know, I don't want to do this anymore." Whatever the case may have been, the Border Patrol officer came to harass the owner of the bed and breakfast. Harassed him so much that the bed and breakfast owner was like, you know what, I gotta take this guy to the Supreme, to, I gotta take this guy to court. But there are very few ways that you can take a Border Patrol to court. That's why come they can pretty much come into your house, but there are very few ways that you could have. So this guy basically took his case to the Supreme Court to say, hey, this guy harassed me. He, you know, he, you know, uh, he betrayed my Fourth Amendment rights, you know, search and seizure, proper search and seizure. So I want to know, is it okay? Basically, I was, the guy was asking, is it okay to take a Border Patrol to court because he's harassing me? And the Supreme Court went, no, you cannot take a Border Patrol to court for harassing you. You lose basically means nobody can take Border Patrol to court for harassing you. So then I see TikToks of white women be like, wait a minute, so now Border Patrol could just come into my house? And I'm like, this was the case that we were arguing 
And even, you know, in immigration rights being like, hey, you can't just come into somebody's home. So the fact that immigrants got their rights taken away, now white people are like, wait a minute, that means mine's too. Yeah, if, if, the, if an immigrant is going up against a federal agency to the Supreme Court, you better be rooting for the immigrant because you're also rooting for your rights. Remember that, okay? I know the color of my skin makes it hard to root for me in court, but you gotta learn how to, okay? That's one piece of advice if I can leave you with something today. I'm not leaving you on that. I still got about uh, 15 more minutes. I know the guys are like, oh wait, we know, we can tell the time on there, but I just wanted to do at least a 30 minute episode for y'all today. Okay, so that's another one. Uh, yeah, so those are basically the two. And then, and then uh, those are the two rights that we have lost as immigrants. The third uh, is, is that the Supreme Court has just uh, decided that immigrants can now be held indefinitely without bond, okay? <laughs> Somebody's coming here for a better life. They get caught by Border Patrol ICE, whatever it may be. And now they have to spend their months, years in a prison. I don't even know, I don't even know how to like make sense of that. Like, yo, you're coming to America for the American dream and you're, li you're, you're literally gonna be put right to the American nightmare. Yeah, man, I don't, I don't even know how to make sense of that. Like indefinitely, without bail, without bond, but you see for like Kyle Rittenhouse and all those, uh, you know, those, those, those a-holes that were trying to, you know, sh that were trying to unalive people during the Idaho pride, how, like, how dare you? You know what I mean? Like, I, not even how dare you, just like, just unbelievable the kind of brutality that we have in this world, in this country, against like marginalized people that we just allow it to happen. Yo, and this is actually gonna be a little bit of a personal story on this, and I'm trying to like get this out, so maybe, maybe this might be a, a, not the best way to put it out there, but I'll tell you guys what happened, it's my personal life. So I posted about that Idaho thing. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm, oh my God, I'm about to air out some real, oh my God. But I have to, I have to. All right, I'm not gonna give names, I'm not gonna name names. But, um, so, I posted about the Idaho, you know, the, oh, I was talking about, yeah, uh, sorry, oh my God, I was talking about, we, we can't get bonds, but I was talking about those guys get out, and Kyle Rittenhouse got out on a bond, and those guys who try to shoot up the Idaho uh, situation, they got out each on $500 bond, and they got put on probation. Like, that's how little terrorist attacks, okay, by Kyle Rittenhouse and these, these white nationalists who want to shoot up the, the Idaho pride, get out on bail bond, scot-free, but a brown person coming to the United States to look for a better life gets put in a cell without bonds. How is that fair? How is that fair? It's just, it's, 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 it's unbelievable. And I wanted to talk about the Idaho thing. And man, this, this is none, none of the stuff that I had on this list, but we're just, you know, we're, I'm flowing right now. Uh, this thing really showed me a lot about the human character. Um, so I posted about the Idaho thing on, on, on one of my social medias and there is someone who's a friend of a friend who I've let this person on my social media probably a lot longer than I would have let any other stranger. But you know, the problem is that when somebody's in, in your life and sort of even in a kind of cordial way, it's pretty difficult to just cut them off. And I need to be better at that. I need to be better at being like, no, this isn't what's going to happen. I don't care how well we know each other. I'm 
cutting this behavior off right now. So this guy was basically was the point was like, I can't do it anymore. And by the, by the way, like I, I, this guy had been saying a lot of stuff about undocumented people that I'm sorry to my community, I should not, I should have stepped up sooner. I was like, yo, just, yo, I, I, you know, I spoke with him with like, with facts and kindness, but with his words towards the LGBTQIA plus community, I just snapped and I was like, forget kindness. Like, I mean, when it was my community, I could be like, listen, I know the politics and I can debate you in a, you know, in a, in a, you know, in a, you know, intelligent, I can't even think of the word, but in an intellectual way, I can, I can debate you on the topics that I know. But when it comes to LGBTQIA plus community, you know, all I know is I'm an advocate and if you're being a dick, I'm just gonna yell at you because I'm like, you're being a dick. All right, I don't know all the history, I don't know everything, but I know you're being a dick. And also I'm the same way where like, you know how white women won't come for like immigrants when they lose their rights. I, I support the LGBTQIA plus community so hard because if they lose their rights, that means I'm losing some rights. I just see it as that. If we don't support each other, we got nothing. So anyways, so I posted this thing for Idaho. I keep going back and forth, I'm sorry. Now you guys know why on my episodes, usually the guest is talking because I ramble a lot. So, you know, I was like, you know, this shooting is horrible. Look what these guys are doing. Like this is the kind of America we live in. So this person who is a friend of a friend who has been way too vocal about far right conspiracies and stuff like that, automatically started going with the far right talking points like, oh, so you support the, you know, the gay agenda and these pedophiles and the, all these, you know, uh, you know, these gay groups. And then he mentioned like, oh, these kids, these parents are taking their kids to a, you know, a drag show where it says it's not gonna lick itself behind them. And, you know, and uh, whatever those guys were doing, you know, they were doing what they had to do, kind of something like along those lines. And that's when I said, I was like, what, first of all, are you condoning violence? Like, are you seriously, like, are you condoning violence against these people? I'm, I'm telling you that they were gonna do this and you're, and you're literally, justifying these men's actions by saying things that you know the gay agenda you're spewing nonsense to justify the violence and i'm not having it i wrote him back in that sense i was like yo man listen unfollow me we are done here i don't i don't appreciate you trying to belittle the community and not even not even you know and, and here's the thing that they do right they'll they'll criticize the left all day all day all day all day but then you go all right well what about the terrorist group oh, i mean you know whatever you know Okay, but no, don't, 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 no, the, the, the left does not, does not, <laughs> the left has this issue, but I'm saying like the, the community, I'm saying the left, but the community, you know, LGBT, you know, uh, you know, poor people's campaigns, you know, undocumented movements, all that stuff, okay, these are the kind of indoctrination you're talking about, when you talk about the far right who is indoctrinating people into white supremacy and hatred and stuff like that, you have in, in Christianity and evangelical, all that radicalness, nothing to say about that, okay, so this guy was like, you know, coming at me and all this stuff. And then he said something, and this is kind of like where it kind of a lot made sense to me because I guess letting somebody talk for so long about all this hate, you kind of start to see like their ideology. And also when, you, when you're fighting someone that you don't know, you don't know like where their ideology is coming from. So to fight someone that you kind of know, you're like, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking about all the hypocrisy that this individual was spewing Right, where he was saying like, whoa, they're wrong. And their, you know, marriage should be between a man and a woman. And I wanted to stop and be like, I'm sorry, dude, you were in a throuple. Like, you know what I mean? Like he was in a throuple 
and he's talking about uh, sex should be between a man and a woman. Bro, you had uh, two women uh, for a while, and I'm not judging you. I'm saying, hey, you want to be in a throuple where three people love each other and they want to raise a kid together? By all means, go for it. But don't do that and then judge other people and say that maybe it's okay for them to be unalive. You're a fucking hypocrite. And that's where I'm tired of. I'm tired of the hypocrisy of the humanity, of the, of the, of the far right. Basically, I'm tired of hypocrisy of the human race, but I'm tired of the hypocrisy of the far right. And this guy just kept going and going and goes like, and also, you think I support violence? I am not a violent person. First of all, I'm not going to give you this guy's name because if you Google first and last name, you will see a rap sheet so long. So I'm saying, my God. This man is literally on, uh, sitting at his computer going like, I am holier than Arthur. I ain't even a perfect marriage. <laughs> and yet he's out doing every sinful thing that he wants to condemn other people for. That is the hypocrisy. And I saw it with my own eyes. I'm like, wow, dude, I'm going to unfollow you because you're willing to sell yourself on any lie in this world and not face the truth. I, listen, maybe for me to tell him, hey, this is how the uh, immigration system works and this is how this works. And he'd be like, I'm too stupid to understand, whatever, whatever. But he's literally lying to himself about his own history. That's some gun nonsense, which I just don't put up with. And here's something that I actually, I, uh, I was fascinated by this, right? Uh, I forgot where I read it, but basically it was stating that nobody in this world views themselves as the bad guy, okay? Nobody. Even Al Capone, gangster Al Capone, was asked, what do you think about yourself? And he goes, I was the best thing that ever happened in Chicago. I was exciting. I was fun. I sold newspapers. I don't understand why they hate me. I was the best thing for Chicago, this criminal. Killed people, all right? I don't lie to people, all that. Thief, murderer. He did not see himself as the bad guy. Nobody in this world, when I heard that, that nobody sees themselves as the bad guy, that's what's so maddening about this world. It's because a, it, it basically, it feels like a bunch of victims who just have nobody to fucking blame. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, my dad, like, literally ruined my childhood and my dad's living his life going, I have no idea what that kid's talking about. I have no idea. You know what I mean? That's the kind of, you know, cognitive dissonance that I'm just like amazed by, amazed by. Yo, I took $2 from my girlfriend's purse, right? And she goes, did you take $2 from me? And I went, I am so sorry. I didn't tell you. Oh my God. I don't want you to think I'm stealing from you. I came so easily under pressure of a lie. And I'm glad I do because you know what? Telling the truth and being honest about what's actually happened, your actual history, really helps you have very healthy relationships with people. And that's why that just, that was just such, like that gaslighting that the individual was doing just felt so violent. I was like, oh my God, you are lying so much about your own history. You're whitewashing your own history as we're talking. And I just, I was just blown away by that. So um, I don't know, maybe if those kinds of things will help you, you know, understand people a little better. I, I just, I'm trying to make sense of, I love people, right? Here's the thing that I don't want people to understand, you know, because people look at my TikToks and see everything I do and think like, well, you just hate white people? No, man, I, I love people. I just hate individuals who, who, who subscribe to that kind of thinking. I don't like individuals who are willing to lie to themselves and not come back from the fringes. I believe everybody's capable of rehabilitation. 
I'm just not gonna be the one to put myself in the middle of that danger every time. You know what I mean? I, I saw a TikTok for a great book that I wanna read called, It's Not My Job to Talk to You About Race. And I just thought that was like, man, first of all, that's a great answer. And secondly, how much knowledge does that book have? If you guys know, drop it on the comments. All right. Uh, what do we got? We got here. We got another seven minutes. I'm, I'm not going to do it long because I, I got a video and an audio recording thing going on. So I don't know how much time these two have for me to be able to do this at home. So those are just a few things. Uh, yeah. Uh, personal, personal life. Uh, for me, I'm about to uh, transition out of my job. Uh, that was a weird pause with transition. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to uh, leave my job. I, I'm gonna tell you guys the truth. This isn't just not to disparage my job one bit. I, I loved working on the time that I did, and it was a good experience. I learned a lot. It was for an immigration, a nonprofit immigration company. And uh, the one thing, it's the first time I ever um, decided to like get a job uh, working for like an immigration anything, you know, because I, I talk a lot about my experience uh, growing up undocumented. But I don't know a lot about the immigration system itself, uh, so I decided to get a job. And I went to work every day, uh, picked up phone calls, and some of the um, some of the worst things ever. Like you know, I'm very fortunate that my experience coming to the United States was just you know I got to fly here and I overstayed my visa. So that uh, that was you know that was as far as my undocumented experience goes. But but hearing people and reading because sometimes I have to read just and just reading. Uh, the description of, you know, the horrors that people have to go through walking and the horrors that they have to go through, you know, being essayed and being, you know, robbed at gunpoint and, and kidnapped and all these things. And then they make it here and then they're telling their story and then just some officials like, I don't believe you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think you did those coyote bites to yourself. I'm sorry. I think those bullet wounds were self-inflicted. Uh, so it just it just breaks my heart. So working at this office and I'm sorry, I forget something in my eye. Uh, working in this office and I went in every day and you know, you, you you help one person, you know. And the problem is that you you're you help one person who is helpable. And by that I mean like, you know, somebody'll call and be like, Hey, you know, I, I came here with a visa and I got married and I have a job and this and that and I want my, you know, partner petition for me and this and you're like perfect. That all sounds like you're a perfect per you know, you're the you're the good immigrant. So let's help you out. And then somebody will call up and be like, hey, you know, I'm really poor and I have no money and I walked here because I was desperate and, and, and I just I just need help. And you just go, sorry, no way I can help you. Click. And I just felt like that is not the world I want to live in. That is not what I want to work in. So I just realized that for me, it is not about working at a law firm and helping one or two people get citizenship who already have a pathway. And it's no, I want to find a political party. Okay, I have like four minutes left. So if you have watched this far, and this is something that I want, I want to join a political party. I can't vote, you know, because of my status, but I want to help. I don't want to join a Democrat. I want, if you know of a party out there that's different, you know, something that's like, you know, maybe the Democratic Socialist, I, I, maybe I could check them out, but I want to find a, a party that maybe Latinx people have started that is exactly a coalition of Latinx people who are trying to bring uh, independence or some other kind of political party into the consciousness of America, let me know and I will 
I will lick envelopes, I will march, I will do, because I, I need there to be a bigger change in this. I need my life, I'm sorry. I am an egotistical maniac when it comes to helping other people. I need my life to be, I helped out a lot of people get a lot of laws changed so they could live better lives instead of I helped out 2,000 people get their citizenship. I'm sorry, that is just a very low bar for me. And, you know, and it's okay, you know, they, they, and it's not to dis, 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 disparage anyone who wakes up every day, you know, goes to their, their job, you know, at a law firm, an immigration law firm or nonprofit and helps immigrants, you know, uh, maneuver through, through the immigration system because it's very confusing and helps them find a pathway. I honor you and I respect you for getting up every day and helping those who, you know, who are helpable and who, you know, who, who can get there because, you know, their strength in numbers. So the most of us, the more of us who cross that threshold, the better it is for the rest of us. But with that being said, I just can't dedicate my life to that kind of routine without knowing that there is a light at the end of a tunnel. You know what I mean? Like, or at least hope of something different. So I feel like joining a political party, joining an organization where I wake up every day and I put in the work to see at least a future of a change where my entire Latin American and African and Asian and all the diasporas, you know, outside of the West, you know, all of us in the global South will be able to travel without restrictions, you know, the way migration is supposed to be because they know that if we traveled freely, they couldn't hold us down with these borders and nationalities by restricting people's movement. Like, listen, you were born in the United States, you can't live the United, you can't leave the United States unless you ask for a passport. Then it, it kind of psychologically makes you feel like, oh, I do kind of am restricted to this area. You're not, this world's ours, man. This whole world, we should be able to move. And I wanna, I wanna find a political party that has that kind of vision in mind to change the force of the world, to be like, yo, just move towards free migration. The, U the UN, the United Nations, basically has, I don't know how many countries are in the, uh, not the United Nations, excuse me, the European Union, the EU. I don't know how many countries are in the EU, but they've made open borders for all the EU nations. And as new nations come in, they get to expand on a way they can travel. So you see it's possible. They just don't wanna let people of color into their little clique. And that's simple as that. All right, uh, I'm going to get out of here. Uh, you guys are awesome for listening to this this far. I will be back in two weeks with guests, and uh, I'm going to be working really hard to bring you guys some great episodes. I hope you enjoy this. Uh, it was great just being able to chat it up. Uh, always follow me on TikTok and Instagram, my undocumented ass. And, uh, and uh, you know, stay cool out there. Si se puede. Take it easy. Bye. This has been a Drop Tent Media Productions.